If you have your Bible, join me in Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Last time we met virtually, we were finishing up in chapter 4. Barnabas, a Levite, had owned a piece of property according to the distribution of land originally there, going all the way back into the book of Joshua, Judges, you see how Levites were to work in the temple, in the role there of the priest, and they weren't supposed to own land. So Barnabas sold his land, and he took the money, and he gave it to help meet the needs of those in the church. It was an extremely generous act. When we come to chapter 5, verse 1, we see another couple that is making a similar decision. Yet in their decision, theirs goes from being a right decision to a sinful decision. Join me, verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back a part of the price, his wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after, when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. Now the implication there helps us. Did you sell the land for this amount of money, is the way that the question is worded. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, how is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost, and the young men came in and found her dead, carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things." When we come to this place, we see this couple, Ananias and Sapphira, going through similar actions to what Barnabas done. They sold the land. But the difference here is that there is a lie that takes place. We know because Peter calls Ananias out and says, look, why are you lying to the Holy Spirit? So the land value, whatever it was, was sold. He gets the money and he keeps back part of it. Peter's deal is, look, it was yours. You didn't have to sell the land. There was no command of God. There was no teaching by the apostles at this moment that's saying, look, get rid of everything you've got and give it to the church. That was not the teaching. Barnabas had done this because this was something that God had laid on his heart to do. This was not something that was being taught. So the decision to sell the land was Ananias and Sapphira's decision. But they took the price and they kept part of the money. And Peter's point is, look, you didn't have to give the money. You weren't commanded to do it. You could have kept back whatever you wanted to keep back out of this deal. But you've come saying that you are giving all the money from the sale of the land. Well, we don't see necessarily that Ananias says it, but when Peter confronts, confronts Sapphira and says, is this the price of the land? She goes, oh yes, that's what we sold the land for. So the amount of money they were giving, they're saying it was the whole price of the land, but it wasn't. So they're lying to the Holy Spirit of God because they're saying this is the work that we're doing for the church. 
As a result, Ananias dies. Sapphira comes in three hours later. She tells the same lie. She dies. We learn a great number of lessons right here from these few verses in this story. The first thing we see is that we, the church, represent Christ. This is a pivotal time, a transitional time, a time in which the church is forming and the name of Christ and the church are so intricately connected that it is not. Today, we have so many denominational things that connect and, and different systems. So when someone says, I go to church, that doesn't mean the same thing for everybody. And there are a lot of questions that come with that. But at this moment, this is the foundation of the church, and it is critical. I heard a preacher say the other day, if you walk in error, it's easy to walk in error. You can walk a thousand miles that way and still be in error. You can walk a thousand miles that way and still be in error. But if you walk in truth, it's walking a razor's edge because one step this way or one step that way and you've fallen from truth into error. At this moment, the church is on that razor's edge. And the Holy Spirit is trying to keep the believers there because the foundation is so important. If we can't get this foundation of the church right, then churches for generation will struggle. So we have a moment here as the church is representing Christ in which two individuals come in making a declaration. And the way that this is handled, we believe will get out because... Otherwise, if this was kept a complete secret and no one would ever find out, then it wouldn't have affected the church. But this deception will always get out, and it will affect the church. Since the church represents Christ, this moment and these individuals who are part of the foundational church, when they commit this sin, they're committing this sin directly against Christ. It's true for all of us. We represent Christ. Christ. But continuing on, we see how actions reveal attitude. Barnabas' action was, I love what God is doing. I love the Lord so much. I love what Christ has done. He gave all for me. I want to give all for him. He gave his life for the bride, the church. I'm giving all my possessions. It was a genuine action that revealed his attitude, the heart behind them. When you look at Ananias and Sapphira, it's revealing theirs too. Holding back a part of the money is the attitude with it is the issue. So the action of giving and being deceitful shows a heart that is out to deceive people, to make people think more of them than really what they were. And it is that heart and that attitude that's the huge problem here. Our actions affect his testimony. What Ananias and Sapphira are doing are affecting the testimony of the church. And since the church represents Christ, therefore it is affecting Christ's testimony in that generation especially. Look, it's still true today. The church affects the testimony of Christ. But when we see someone affecting our testimony by their name, I'll give you an example. The other day, my neighbor came to me. He said, look, what do you think about me hiring your kids Justice and Mariah, who are seven and nine years old. What do you think about me hiring them to pick up pine cones and different things out of my backyard? He's like, I got to get it all done. He's getting a little up there in years. And he says, let me hire your kids to come do it. What do you think about that? Well, my first reaction is these kids represent me. 
And when they go over there at work, I want to be there to supervise them to make sure they live up to a standard that's worthy of their name. And I talked to them about it. And in fact, we kind of came up with a plan and I'm going to uh, throw it out to them and say, look, if they're going to work for you, instead of trying to pay them by the hour, why don't you pay them by the bucket full of pine cones they pick up to make sure that they work worthy of their pay? Because I want them to have a testimony that says, and a testimony that represents me, and since he knows that I'm a pastor and the pastor at Harvest, it represents our Lord as well. well our actions affect his testimony. And because of that, we should be so mindful of what we do. And it is critical at this moment in church history that the church represents Christ well. And the hypocrisy of Ananias and Sapphira does not represent our Lord well. And so the way that God deals with it seems extremely severe to us. But it is necessary for the purity of the church. There was an intentional effort to deceive God's people. And from the way Peter says it, you're lying to the Holy Ghost. It's as if there was this effort to deceive God. But there is without a doubt an effort to deceive God's people at this moment. It wasn't accidental. They came in with a plan that they had agreed to beforehand. And at separate times, they both lied about the same thing. I believe that if Sapphira had come in three hours later and she had said to Peter, oh, no, 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 that's not what we sold it for. We actually sold it for this amount, but this is the amount we were giving that her life would have been spared. But because she was intentionally involved in the deception of this, the Lord took her life. They sought status over sacrifice. They wanted to be perceived by the church a certain way. They wanted people to look at them with a certain level of respect. Their issue was the way that they were seen more than the way that they sacrificed for the Lord. Barnabas had nothing to do with the way people saw Ananias and Sapphira, it was all about the perception of them. Too often we go through our Christian life worried about our perception. How do people see us? Are we perceived as being spiritual? And we put on the show and we take the steps and we hold back areas in which we need help and we won't ask for it because we don't want the perception of a weak spiritual faith. When really, when we come in and we're honest and we seek the help we need, that's how we grow and we become stronger. What Ananias and Sapphira did was a deception of the church. It was intentional, and it was because they desired to have their names made great. Greed will always cause us to commit sin. They just wanted to keep some of the money back. They just wanted some for themselves. Now, there's a generosity in selling this and giving the portion of it. I recognize that. But if they're in this position and they lie about how much they're giving, and they're trying to make it look like they gave more than they did, there's a greed aspect to it. And when we get greedy, it will always cause us to commit sin. Money can get a hold of our hearts, and we can get greedy in so many ways. We can get greedy of our stuff. We can get greedy of how we let people use things that we have. We can get greedy with the actual finances, our time. And we can become greedy in our total attitude towards the world around us. And as we do instantly, it will lead us in a direction that pushes towards sin. The other thing we see here is God knows our secrets and judges them. No one else knew. Now, Peter confronts them, and we would make the assumption that it was the leading of the Holy Spirit of God that caused him to confront Ananias over this. But Peter's confrontation 
he didn't know. We didn't know. No one knows except for Ananias and Sapphira, and they're the ones who are hiding this. Their secret sin is known by God. So is mine. So is yours. Those areas that we try to hide, we cannot hide them from God. God knows them, and God is judging them. Too often, our sinfulness, we try to hide it. We don't confess it. We keep it put back, and we think that we can compartmentalize it, and it won't affect. Ananias and Sapphira thought they could compartmentalize and keep back this bit of money. The picture that we see here is much like the picture of Achan there in the book of Joshua. When they go in and they battle and they go forward at Jericho and Achan takes and he keeps back just a little bit. He didn't take a great amount, but he took back some. And then as a result, the nation of Israel lost the power of God and Ai puts them to flight and people die because of Achan's sin. So Achan is called out of the camp. He and his entire family are put to death because they had known together and they had deceived the people and tried to hide from God this stuff that they had taken. Exact same scenario here. For the prosperity of the nation, they had to die. For the prosperity of the church, Ananias and Sapphira had to die. God judges our secrets. And we see here that motivation matters. I mentioned earlier, actions show our attitude, but our motivation matters in what we do for the Lord. The heart of Barnabas was, I want to give everything. The heart of Ananias and Sapphira is, I want to look like I gave everything. There's a huge difference in those two. They did not have to give everything, but they wanted it to seem that way. What percentage did they give? I don't know. What if they had sold the land and they gave 20%? Wouldn't that be incredibly generous? What if they gave 50, 90? We don't know. Whatever they gave would have been a generous gift. But instead, they wanted it to look like they gave everything. The motivation behind the action mattered. Our motivation matters. It ought to be that our hearts desires, Lord, I want to give everything I can for you. I want to give my time. I want to give my heart. I want you to be lifted up, not me. They failed in this area. When we consider all that happens at this moment and we see how Ananias and Sapphira are put to death, we look at the penalty and we think, man, this is an awfully harsh penalty for this action. But it should be an encouragement to us about the mercy of God. Psalm 103, verses 8 through 11. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. For he hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. The way that God sees the deceitfulness of Ananias and Sapphira has not changed today. He still sees their hypocrisy in our lives in the church, and the way we want people to perceive us one way, but inside we are completely different. That hypocrisy still exists, but there is a mercy that God is showing to us in our generation, a grace that we have that he is allowing us time to grow. And at this moment, it's a different time in history. But for you and I, we should not mistake the fact the way that God dealt with them is the way that he sees sin. And that the fact that he is more merciful to us should be an encouragement. It should help us to recognize and should humble us 
that our lives should be living to a better standard. You see, God values holiness in the church. That hasn't changed. He desires holiness from you and I, just like he did in this early church. And we should be striving for that level. We should be seeking to come up to that level of purity and holiness in our lives. We shouldn't be living in an acceptance. Oh, well, I'm better than. Oh, well, compared to. We should be saying, God, I want a purity of my life that before you, my heart and my motives are completely genuine. Because God still values that. God is merciful to us. Because the truth is, there are so many in churches today And we fall into this, that we come before God at times and we come and what we are offering to him is a weak sacrifice. It is a weak offering. And we try to pretend like it's our best. How many times have you stood to sing on Sunday and your heart is not in it? You're offering God far less than you could. God's merciful to us. He is giving us time to grow and helping us. And don't ever forget, God deals differently in different generations with different people, but all for his glory. When God deals with them so harshly, it is to help preserve the church and to bring glory to him. When God deals with us so mercifully, it is because culture has moved so far away from him that he is giving us time to come back to him. Each generation differently dealt with at different times, same God. Same great God, same loving God, same God who cares. But he is accomplishing his glory, and even when we don't see it. So will there come a time in which in our lives, I believe that God can bring different punishment because we know more, more is expected of us, and as followers of Christ, he says, now I I need you, it's time for you to get past this. And we can handle a different level of punishment in the church to draw us to him. Yes, absolutely, I believe that to be true. But do I believe that we can put a quantitative amount on his mercy? There's no way. So when we go through our life, we come to this passage and we look what Ananias and Sapphira did and we see a standard that is set. We, the church, represent Christ. Our testimony affects his testimony. We can cause people to see Christ, to see church in a different light. We can push people away from God or we can draw people to God. God takes that very seriously. And when we go through our life, it should be our goal to obtain to a level of holiness in which we are living a life that is motivated for his glory and constantly pushing people towards him. We should not be living a life that is pulling people away or giving people reasons to hate the church. We have a responsibility to grow in our faith, to learn from the lesson of Ananias and Sapphira, and to genuinely live a life holy and acceptable to God. As we come to a time of prayer, um, I am recording this a little bit earlier in the week, but let's continue to pray for um, Mike and Lisa as I don't have an immediate update. Uh, From this weekend, the doctors were encouraged. The ECMO seems to be working. The tracheotomy is helping. They're hopeful to be taking her off of ECMO soon and help try and pull her out of some of the sedation trying to keep her calm as much as possible, but to see how much her body is able to react and to begin to start working on its own. So the amount of oxygen they're having to use is going down. So this is all good news, but please continue to be in much prayer for Lisa. 
Mike is improving daily. He seems to be doing much, much better and on the right track here and mending well. So let's continue to pray for Mike and Lisa. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would help us to represent you well, that we would not get misdirected by our own motivation to see respect from others, to be viewed a certain way by the world around us, but to be more focused on a motivation of love for you and your glory and honor. Father, we lift up Mike and Lisa. And Father, I'm so grateful that Mike is doing better and that he is improving. And we pray that you will continue to help him improve. We pray that you would continue to strengthen him. We ask that you would lift him up and that you would allow him to quickly get off of the oxygen and that he would be able to get home soon. And yet, Lord, I know that there's still a long path of recovery ahead for him. For Lisa, Father, we need you to help her lungs to work, help her to breathe right. It's a simple thing that we all take for granted every day, but God, right now, she needs your help with this. I thank you that the ECMO seems to be working and that her need for oxygen is going down somewhat. But God, I need you to just pray, begging you, Lord, touch her body, lift her up, restore her health. Give the doctors wisdom. I pray for her family, for all of those, for the boys, for her sister, for her brother, for her parents, as everybody's involved making decisions here, that you would encourage them and strengthen them. And Father, as a church family, may we be committed to prayer lifting these two up, and may we see you do great things. We give you the glory for what you've already done. And Father, we ask that you would help use this to draw them and us closer to you. It is because of Christ we ask it. Amen. Lord bless you. Have a wonderful evening.